Welcome to Test Pod. Snapper Steve is with us, kinda. Reporting here. from the reporting from the well, I mean you're with us, but you're not yeah. with me in studio. I went back to work last night. The big man's enjoying well earned vacation down there, uh, Outer Bank style. And um, Steve, I say vacation. Um, maybe we need a different word when it comes to traveling with young kids in the summertime. Because as my wife says, like, was this? Did you have fun? Was this a vacation? Not really. What is it? Yeah, that's the greatest question. I, I've been thinking about. It. I'm like, it's not vacation. Nope. Everybody's enjoying themselves. I get it. Are you? We go, we go as long as we can at the beach. People that have to nap, nap, and then it's pool time, home cooking. It's great, but it's not vacation. No. Nope. We need another word. Um, there's a lot of times where, you know, the children are are in control of what's going on. <laughs> and it's not great because when they're in control, there's no rules. No, um, so there's not. There's no what do they say? The, the, the inmates run the asylum. Yeah. All on that. So uh, we need a word. Well, I mean, anybody out there with kids, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, your peak, you, you host all your family at your house, Yeah. you know, in July, how many did you have uh-huh. in the house? I don't know. Fifteen. I wasn't. I wasn't twenty this year. High teens. High teens. Yeah. We're at, but I mean, you're 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 entertaining. We're at seventeen here. Oh yeah. And it's and, and we're finally and the kids outnumbered adults now. Oh boy. And yeah. we're lucky because our family we we don't we're we're drama free. Everybody gets along with everybody. Like you don't have that one dynamic where somebody doesn't like somebody, and then there's some history, and then it gets somebody has one too many. That, if that's the case, you don't need to go on vacation with those people. You, no, but see, some people gotta, try to, and then it's just yeah, you, one too good. many one too many makers marks, and then it's like <laughs> you know what you did. Like oh god, tomorrow next morning at breakfast, just crickets. <laughs> We're lucky we don't have any of that. But even uh, so, it's still the the laundry doesn't stop. The breakfast, no. lunch, and dinner you gotta gotta ask them what they want. Gotta make it. They don't want to eat it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they're just trying to get to bath and bed. I mean, it's it's yeah, it ain't a vacation. So tomorrow night, here we go. Plans. The house is going out to dinner. Do you have any advice? Yeah, I I would get I would day drink. I would day drink tomorrow. Just take the edge off, because then no matter how bad it goes, you just laugh. You'd be like, ah, we're it's fine. <laughs> seventeen, you go walking in seventeen strong. Seventeen strong. Yep. Like to a sit down grown up dinner. Yeah, they. I mean, there's places down here that specialize in it. So, yeah, but uh, just they got. Here's the thing. Make sure call ahead. Make sure they oh, yeah. got oh, those they, those placemats with the crayons that the kids can draw on. Oh yeah. Got to have that. If they don't, just bring a box of. Cards. And they need Wi-Fi because the iPads might have to work too. <laughs> that's that's always a tough one because I. Well, last I, year though they were very good. Our, we were in and out of there. They did a great job. I, I, I'm not. Maybe I'm old school in this one. We we. I'm I'm anti I'm anti devices at the dinner table because if you have a kid with a device at the dinner table, they just they don't participate. They just they just sit there like a zombie. There's no conversation. Well, at a dinner of seventeen at a restaurant, I'll allow it to. Keep there saying until the mac and cheese comes out. After further review, Paul was tipped at the line of scrimmage. There's no foul on the play. Enjoy your iPad, Libby. Enjoy. All right. Inmates running the asylum down at the beach. Yeah. Uh, we're back to work, kinda. I mean, we're just trying to just trying to keep it between the mustard, the mayonnaise, try not to screw it up. And then, you know, college football. We're going to talk to Bruce Feldman here in a bit. Mm. Fox 
Fox Television uh, and The Athletic. His Freaks list is out. It's up to 100. It's great reading, good fun. What's the what's the beak? What's the appetite for what's coming up uh, in the season? If you're people like Steve and I, you're, you know, you don't need any don't need any warm ups. Don't need any appetizers, but uh, you'll you'll de- you'll devour it anyway. So we'll talk some college football uh, with Bruce here in a moment. Uh, I feel like I need to update uh, our listeners on uh, on how we're doing here. Uh, Dentist, how do we do? I would. I described it the day of the of the extraction as it's like I ate a grenade. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, okay, am I, am I a little dramatic when it comes to pain tolerance? I don't mm. know. I don't know. We'll get to some pain that came later that night in a moment. Mm. Um, I think I'm all right. I think I'm tougher than I might give myself credit for. I'm just going to tell you, it sucks, and it yeah. still does. All right, it hurts a lot. There are holes in my face. I don't know if we got a dry socket going. Um, we're trying our best. It ain't easy to eat. Um, I can only eat so much yogurt and applesauce before I'm just going to say, I don't care. Give me a bite of some steak. We'll cut it really small and we'll just figure it out. How's the Diet Cokes going now? You're not supposed to have carbonated beverages. Oh. I'm doing it. (laughs) It's probably set back my rehab. We're all going to die of something. Okay. Maybe I'm going to die from an infected dry socket because I got carbonated beverage swishing around in there. Got to, got to pick. You got to pick a hill to die on. I'm, I, the diet coke's going to be emblazoned on the line. So Go be, for it. So be it. But it's, uh, it's, you know, don't wait till you're middle aged. You know, I mean, I, I put it off uh, for a long time. It had to happen, and um, we got a Thursday follow up just to see where we are, see okay. if things are progressing. I don't know. It still hurts like there's holes in my head. I mean, like, when is it just, don't you have to go in there and like a pothole and fill it in with something? Like, how, what is just, I'm just going to wake up one day and my gums naturally going to have filled in? I just, I'm, I'm questioning all of this. Uh, and it's, Qu- you're questioning the process, not trusting it. Uh. I'm also derailing it with the soda. I don't think I'm a great patient is what I'm saying. Um, and also, they gave you me... You were the, in college for as long as doctors, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Did, okay. Didn't get any... My, my roommate, though. Shout out mm. to Joe B. Barrett Mass General. Guy's a doctor at Harvard. Uh, Not you. No, sir. Um, I've been Googling a lot, though, trying to figure out what the, what these symptoms are. Oh, man. My, de- my dentist said, hey, do me a favor. Stop Googling. Yeah. Don't do the... What is that? WebMD? Come on. You're better than that. Yeah, it's. Well, am I? Um, yes, you are. No, not. And not, you're smarter. Not really. Um, yeah, you are. But I have a I have a follow up um, to the surgery. <clears throat> I want to paint the picture for you. Okay. So this Thursday we get the teeth out. I was hopped up on the good stuff, and when I came out, I was just laughing, and I demanded they play go go music. I don't recall that. My wife said, do you remember when you asked for go-go music? I said, I do not. She said, you're doing the beat on the wall. You're doing the go-go beat on the wall. I was like, and I'm giving it that go-go beat. little trouble phone for the people. Hi. Yeah. So good. I am fine. And 
the gal there, she showed me her phone. Her nephew's in a go-go band. Shout out to the lady at the dentist that show. I hope your Shout nephew's out, go-go band's doing great. Um, that night, again, hopped up on the goofy good stuff, the good pain meds. Wifey wakes me up 5 a.m. Hobby, what? Fire alarm, smoke, smoke detectors going off. That horrible chirp battery. I'm like, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, no, I got it. So I go downstairs and I get the smoke detector. We take it down. The I think we put it in the car at that point because it was like figuring out the battery. It just seemed like it was going to be a chore. So somewhere along the way, my wife, I think she said she it sounded too loud to her. Again, she has bionic hearing. I can't hear. She says th- the crickets from the basement sounded way too loud. She goes downstairs, door in the basement, wide open. Hmm. 5 a.m., door to the basement wide open. I'm hopped up on the on on Goofy on the meds. Still dark outside? Yeah, the sun's not up yet. Yeah. And we obviously have a madman in our house, and I have, to, I have to arm myself, find that person, which I did. Now I'm wandering around the basement. I'm looking around. I don't see anybody. We got those cameras, got the ring cameras. There's nothing on there. There's clearly nobody in the house. But again, I'm goofy on meds. It's 5 a.m. And I just, you got to protect your family. And I'm walking around and I don't see anybody. And I look in this room. I look in that room. I look in the other room. We're good. But then I think, you know what? I got to check. I got to check the utility room. All right. Go in the utility room. Looking around. I'm thinking in my head, like, what, what's going to happen if I if I see the like? Am I prepared to prepared to take action? Yeah, hell yeah! Don't don't start none, won't be none, right? But you're hoping that that doesn't come to that. And then there's this crawl space area, Steve. That's I'm six six. The crawl space is about chest high. It's a great place to hide presents around Christmas time. Okay, I've never actually been up in it. We've got a couple of big like Home Depot style buckets set up there that you can step up on if you need to get back in there for presents. So I step up on the on the bucket. Buckets, two buckets, probably four feet in the air, three feet, whatever it is, it's up in the air. First bucket slips. I roll my ankle like Steph Curry in the in the against Boston. Like foot just rolls flat over excruciating pain. I yell. I'm like, but I tried to eat the yell because my family's asleep. So it's like I (laughs) and but again, even hopped up on the meds, having just rolled my ankle, there's a madman in the crawl space. He must be addressed. Mm. So we, we pull ourselves up heroically into the crawl space which you can't, I can't stand, but I can kind of halfway stand. And again, I'm asking myself, what happens if I, what, what do I do? I don't know. We'll figure it out when we have to. It's at this point, Steve, that I look down and I think, apparently, I've severed a toe. I'm bleeding like a stuck pig. Bloods. It's, like, it's a crime scene. There's blood everywhere. Like, oh, have a day. That ain't good. But again, can't stop really to address that because got to deal with a bad man. I quickly assess the situation and realize there's nobody in here. What am I doing? We get down. I don't know if you're familiar with like if you dangle a limb that has a wound 
the, the blood is just free flowing all over the place. Again, looks like the first 48 in our basement. And now I'm trying to stop the bleeding, which I do as I waddle into the bathroom. I thought, come to find out in the morning, wifey said, you left just footprints of blood all over the house. And it was when I got upstairs to survey the cut that I realized that I had like a smiley face across the length of my middle toe. Mm. I mean, it's cut wide open. And I think that ain't good. So we slap two or three band-aids on there and I go to bed. Cause what am I going to go to the, we'll get, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Yeah. Wake up in the morning, excruciating mouth pain because the, the goofy meds have worn off. Forgot that, that, that this thing had happened. My foot looked down and my foot's just covered in blood. I'm like, Oh God, I did that. I forgot about that. Right. <laughs> End up going to an urgent. Well, no, no. Go to see my doctor who doesn't do the stitches so they can look at it to tell me, do I have to get the stitches? And the doctor takes the band-aids, plural, off the bottom of my foot, which during the time it took me to drive there had bled and like fused my foot to the bottom of a flip-flop. And she kind of like pushes my toe back, which makes the cut open wide like a mouth. And I want to quote the doctor. She says to me, oh my God. <laughs> And I kind of lean in and I said, now, is that what you want to say to, to a patient who's got a, a wound on their foot? Oh, my God. Because that's kind of alarming. She's like, well, no, I just didn't expect it to be that deep. I'm like, well, no. But did you see the blood everywhere? I mean, this is, she's like, wow, that's, that's, yeah, no, you need stitches. No. <laughs> I connected the dots on that. So then, of course, you've got to go to an urgent care. Go to the urgent care. I tell the doctor there. Yeah, the doctor who saw it screamed, oh, my God. He's like, ah, that's not good. She takes the Band-Aids off, and she goes, oh, wow. And I said, you did the same thing. Oh, wow, and oh, my God, are the same thing. She goes, well, again, I just didn't think it was. I said, what did you expect at this point? I kind of prepared you for this. Long story short, uh, we get five stitches in the toe, which think about your big toe. Like, how many, how could you possibly need that many stitches? Well, if you basically, if you almost severed it looking for a madman, hopped up on Percocet at five in the morning. That's how you need five stitches. So that was, uh, that was how Thursday went. Dad life fail. I, uh, do you have I, questions or is there I just nothing to nothing. say? No, I do have one question because um, everybody, everybody has this friend. Did you have a friend reach out to you in the last two days that knew that you were getting your wisdom teeth out that asked you if you had any of the meds left? No, I didn't. No one asked me for the goofy good stuff. I'll tell you the truth, though. It's really nice. <laughs> and I, there's one left. I didn't, I, I've, I only got like two days worth, but I said, you know yeah. what, I'm not going to take, I don't want to take it to the end. Because, mm. I mean, okay. Real talk. I mean, you, you see how this could become the kind of thing you lean on a little bit, right? Yeah, I kind of, I'm not feeling great. Give me yeah. down the hatch. So, uh, so we still got one left break in yeah. case of emergency, but uh, I have the referred pain. That's what it's called when their nerves are just rattling around the inside of your head. Teeth still hurt. Uh, got the stitches in the toe. Uh, drinking copious amounts of Diet Coke, which is derailing the uh, smoke the alarms healing. are good. 
Yeah, hey, we've got it. We got right. the we got the battery back in that, and we're uh, we're off to the races. Back to work, ready to go. Uh, yeah, I was back on the set uh, Monday night, and uh, we'll be there all week as Steve's down there at the beach. Appreciate you working there, tapping into work with us here. Told you, I, I need a break. Need a break. Well, let's let's uh, let's lean into some content you're very familiar with. Let's talk some college football with uh, one of the most uh, respected voices and names in the sport. A buddy, former colleague, was with us at ESPN. Uh, of course, you you watch him now on Fox Television. You read him on the Athletic. His freaks list is out. It is must reading. It's Bruce Feldman. Before we move on, a couple things that are going on at ESPN I'd like to mention. First, college football, as this podcast would attest to, is right around the corner. Stanford, Steve, and the Bear getting you ready for the season with preseason win total previews, tonnage of content. You will eat it up like ice cream. Ice cream that I've been eating with my wisdom teeth out. I like ice cream. You like college football. Good news there. Always college football with ESPN college football analyst Greg McElroy cranking out episodes five days a week throughout the college football season. So check out Stanford, Steve and the Bear and always college football wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, you can watch all seven episodes of The Captain telling the story of Derek Jeter's life and Hall of Fame New York Yankees career. It is now streaming on ESPN+. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, it's about that time. Talk some college football. Welcome back. A friend for many, many years, Bruce Feldman, one of the very best in the college football beat. You see him on the sidelines on Fox Sports, read him on The Athletic. And it's that time of year where the college football freaks list is out, came out last week. This is must reading in uh, the sports world. And Bruce, I want to start just with this. There's sort of a two-parter. Let's start with the first thing. How long has it been going on? Give folks the idea of the origin, and then I want to get to the second part, which is how it's exploded and morphed from there. But just for people that don't know the backstory, give us the Cliffs notes. Yeah, it's almost 20 years ago now, Scott. So when I was at ESPN, it is nuts. <laughs> so when I was at ESPN, 
Um, I was with ESPN magazine and they are the, the bosses had me and Buster only our, our baseball writer do blogs. And obviously baseball is a longer calendar, but at that point, the idea of thinking college football content was going to be year round seemed really crazy, right? There wasn't transfer portal like this. And, you know, it just was different, right? You might've had Spencer's, you know, you know, Fulmer list of guys getting in trouble, but it wasn't much, you know, that way. And so I was always looking for ways to kind of keep content going, keep people interested. And I always thought of this, workout warrior freaks list idea and it was 10 guys and you know people were pretty responsive to it and everything and it was just kind of like a little bit of things i was really curious about right and so over the next maybe five years i kind of it became a thing right a little bit but where i really noticed it take off about seven years ago i became a sideline reporter for fox and an hour or two hours before the game, when the only ones on the field are the players and the coaches, well, I would be down there just like a lot of other sideline people are, but also NFL scouts are down there. And I'd have these conversations where they would come up to me and would talk to me about the freaks list. And it kind of blew me away where I was like, okay, people actually inside football care and they're, they're into it. And so over time I started to reach out to them and they became great resources for it. I would you know, the other day, so Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, he'd been doing it, you know, like for the last few years, but I'd have these long conference calls with the Senior Bowl staff trading information and just kind of picking each other's brains on it. I mean, the other day I was on the phone with, with this is a couple of days before we ran it, with Jim from the Senior Bowl for like two and a half hours on a Saturday morning. And it's just a great conversation because it really gets you going. It was Some of it was freaks list, some of it was like, hey, these are play, you know, there's a couple guys that maybe we in the media think are really good, especially linemen. And then Jim will like kind of correct me, you know, in the conversation. And so it was interesting, but like there's players, I opened it up to non FBS players too. You know, I'd never, there's a, this year, there's a player from Quincy university. I'd never even heard of Quincy university till Jim mentioned this offensive lineman, you know, three hours later I'm on the phone with, uh, you know, having a conversation with his offensive line coach, you know, it's just kind of, that's how it was working. And I'm just kind of blown away by what it's become. And it's become the Madden ranking of college football (laughs) in that people are going to complain if they're not on it. I know Stanford, Steve and I were out in college park last week. We were at the Maryland practice. I think Steve's got a bone to pick about where rock Jarrett is on the list. And I think right. People are going to say, I mean, Hey, you're glad you make the list and every school that gets guys on it are putting out, Hey, we had two on Feldman's freaks list, but then it's a question of, are you high enough on the list? Right. I mean, it's become a, it's like not a bone of contention, but I think people, they got beef if they don't think they're high enough. You know, it's funny on on Jared because at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis, like two or three weeks ago, he's on one side and I'm talking to him about his GPS time. And it's like, you know, this guy, as you know, was a huge recruit, but there's not really there was a reporter from the Baltimore Sun and then it was me. And so there's time to talk to him and facing him, but probably like 40 feet or maybe yeah, 40 feet on the other side of um, Lucas Oil stadium is Jacorian Bennett and um, sad that we didn't get to see him play Ohio state in our game. Cause you guys had no cornerbacks and that's, mm-hmm. that's not the team you want to face, but he's like, oh. I'm telling him what, you know, Jared told me, yeah, he vertical jumped 41.2. He was like, he goes, but did he tell you who's the fastest one on the team? Cause I did 22 nine on the GPS. I'm like, he said he did 22 nine last week. He goes, he did. And so it's like this back and forth contest. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have these guys right next to each other. Cause they're about the same size. Obviously they're both really good players. 
Um, it's a little splitting hairs, but it was like, it was that it was almost like the, the, the Brown twins from Illinois. I'm like, I'm not going to split these guys up. They're going to be basically the same person. I'll just skip. It's like 32 and 33 and they can decide who's really the the freakier. Um, Bruce, the first list you did, wasn't, wasn't it like 10 or 12 guys? It was 10 or 12. I don't know if you're going to remember this name. At some point I'm going to get off my butt and do this story. So this is back when, when Bill Curry was, was working with us at ESPN. And I remember there was a name he had mentioned. It was a linebacker in the Mac named Turner Nande. And Turner Nande was like, maybe he was 215, but he could bench press like a small house and just was insanely athletic. <laughs> and so at some point, like maybe a year or two ago, I Googled him and found his LinkedIn profile. And I think he played in the CFL. And I don't even know if he knows he was ever number one on my list. You know, back in that, you know, in that era, you had, you know, the freak of all freaks, Calvin Johnson, you had Adrian Peterson, you had the tight end from Maryland, who was like Vernon Davis, who was ridiculous. So we, you know, had a bunch of them, but then it was like, part of it was you had some of these guys who were like, this is after Dan Kendra, but there was still some freak Mm. stuff where you'd have these like crazy little things that I'm like, I got to find a way to include this. Some of these guys were great football players. Some of them were not. I always came away a few years later. Um, Taylor Mays, you know, obviously was a big, big name at, at uh, USC. And a a big player. Yeah. And he, I mean, he, (laughs) he he was just a little stiff, but I was like, yeah, maybe Taylor Mays would be a great bobsledder. Right. You know, some of these guys, they'd be super strong and explosive, but maybe it didn't translate quite as well on the, on the football field, at least in terms of the NFL. Steve, I have a question for you. Are there enough tight ends on the list? No. Bull Bruce. There's all, I got five here. I got Coons, Musgrave, Bowers, Wiley, and Warren. Like, come on. They're the biggest freaks on the field. We need more love for the tight ends. I'm no, like, you know, our mentality is not to sell ourselves. We get caught in this, but there are there are there are tight ends being hosed on this list. You know, your boy who leans on Felica for all his tips in Saratoga had the freak of all freaks at tight end. The kid was 6'6", 275, the biggest hands. If he ever gets to the combine, the biggest hands in the history of the combine. But he's not, I don't think he's still with the program anymore. So I lost mm. one there. And um but, but like, look, Penn State's had a bunch of these dudes. And so, yeah. you know, like they had Gasicki a few years ago. And then this kid who ended up following Ricky Ronnie to OD, ODU, Zach Koontz, he's like, I was like, all right, he's 6'8", which means he's probably not much taller than you, maybe 6'6 six, six in a shade. Well, Ricky Ronnie swears he's 6'8 and a quarter, and he vertical jumps 40 inches. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane, you know, to see what, you know, what this guy's doing. So I wanted to at least have him in the top 10. I got you. I watched him in the bowl game. He is, he's an impressive dude, but I just thought Michael Mayer would be on the list. He's the best tight end in college football. My goal is to get him to New York for the Heisman this year. He's going to catch a hundred balls. He's the freak of all freaks. Cause you mentioned it with Brock Bowers, like that tight end room at Georgia is insane with the, like when they come out on the field against Oregon, like people are going to be like, Oh wow! They had all these guys drafted. He wasn't one of them. Washington wasn't one of them. And then they're going to add Gilbert. Like those guys are going to be the most impressive looking group in 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 college football. Yeah, and Oscar Delp. If that's your yeah, fourth freshman, man, I mean that's insane, right? You know, and it's like especially like for Notre Dame. I think it's a little different. Where obviously we're going to see them in Ohio State Week One, but they don't have a lot of receivers. I think they're down to no. five scholarship receivers. So, you know, Tyler Buckner's best friend is going to be, is going to be mayor and mm-hmm. we'll see how, how much damage he can do. 
Do you have a favorite Bruce through the years? I mean, and this is like asking a parent, you know, to pick a child. I get that. But I mean, there's, you know, there's the, the points you make about whether someone actually this, the, the, the physical traits translate on field or not. Uh, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but is through the years, just somebody that just something they're just, they're quirky as something esoteric about the personality, whatever the case may be, is there just, or is it, and maybe there's a group, but I mean, I just wonder with this there's, many players who, the, who they'd be. Yeah. There's a couple. The, the first one is Owen Schmidt. Like, you know, you've seen the videos of him smashing his head. We actually did a story on him at the magazine where we did it as a comic book treatment. Because Owen was like a, his story is like a comic book character, right? And, uh, you know, the, the strength coach who used to be there and then went to Michigan, uh, Mike Barr was, you know, the, the quintessential strength coach guy. But he was like, he would describe him as a mutant, not as a freak, but as a mutant. And just the stories of Owen were so... You know, he was a comic book character, right? And um, he he bled very willingly for those that aren't familiar. I mean, it was sort of if if he it was part of the ethos of the playing. He needed to be bleeding, preferably hemorrhaging from that cut in the middle of his forehead. He he, in a lot of ways embodied. There's like two. There's two parts of the coin of Rich Rod, West Virginia. He was on one side of the coin, and McAfee was on the other. And it's (laughs) and it's why we love West Virginia. If you're a college football person. And if you've never been go, you know, like it's yeah. just, and those well said, uh, well said. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was a Margus hunt was a good one for me. He was like this shot oh, yeah. put this guy from Estonia who played at SMU. And when I put his numbers out and I got him from, you know, one of the track coaches there, people were like, there's no way this is true. Well, then Margus hunt went to the combine and he almost matched it to the hundredths of a second. Right. Um, so that was another big one. And then the last one, I think, was just last year, Tariq Woolen from UTSA. So so Jeff Trailer, the head coach there, we were we were back and forth. Um, and he said he was telling me the numbers and he was like, when is this running? Because I think in the back of his head, he was afraid I put this out there too early and people are going to poach the kid with the six, four cornerback who, who uh, broad jumps like 11, five and did it at the combine. That's the triangle of toughness. We we know all about the roadrunners down there, don't we, Steve? <laughs> Absolutely. 2-1-0. Uh, Bruce, moving this forward with big picture, you got Arian Smith, the re- receiver at Georgia at 39, and Tyler Har- Harrell at uh, 43, who's transferred from Louisville to Alabama. Now, talking to people at Georgia, they think Arian Smith's the fastest guy in college football. And then I look at Harrell as a guy, he averaged 29 yards a catch at Louisville, and we know – what Nick has done. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be Jameson Williams. Like that's, that's his own tier, I think. But what, between those two guys, I think they're both going to make the playoff. Who do you think has a bigger impact on the season? You know, I think uh, Tyler will, um, yeah. because of honestly, I think Saban's going to be more inclined to be, keep it open. Whereas I don't know if, you know, Munkin's got these tight ends. I don't think Kirby is going to want to be as open with it. And if he can give the stretch, the field part that Jameis, Jameson Williams, I think brought even more stuff. And I'm not yeah. sure Tyler Earl can, can, can bring everything. I don't think he can, but look, he's got Burton. He's got other guys there. Um, he's also got the Morris, you know, he's got probably the, the better quarterback, no knock on Stetson Bennett. We're talking about the Heisman guy. Mm-hmm. But to me, when, when you had like Scott Satterfield has been around a lot of fast dudes at Louisville, certainly at app state, even before that, when he, you know, I think he had T.Y. Hilton that uh, when he was an FIU, FIU. FIU yeah. coordinator. And for him to say, this is the fastest guy I've ever time, this is the fastest guy I've ever seen, that's a mouthful. You just usually don't say that. 
or hear that. But I mean, as fast as we're talking about, like there's another SEC guy on the list, A-Chain from AM, who's another legit track guy. Um, I mean, they're fun. They're just all fun players to watch. So check out the freaks list. It's grown from 10 or 12 to what now a hundred and people are lobbying to be included. And, and it's, it's fodder for conversation on sidelines and anybody that loves not just the sport, but sports in general, I think it's great fun to, to read. And the sport itself is basically a week away. You know, we got week zero next week, uh, which isn't the full fledged, but it's enough, right? It's enough of an appetizer. And then we're, we're, you know, up to our eyeballs in it the following weekend and, and just, an opportunity to talk the sport with you is always fun. And I just wonder, Bruce, from, from a just the, sort of the state of the sport, before I get into teams, between name, image, and likeness and the portal, it's never been easier to, if you're a high-level program, and USC is the, is the team I'm thinking of, to go out and assemble something quickly. And USC is bad last year. All right? like They weren't bad for USC. They're bad. They get up 60-something to UCLA. I mean, they couldn't stop anybody at the end of the year. And now they're ranked in the top 15. Whether they're that good, I don't know. But I just wonder what USC is the program I think most of in terms of the ability to go out, bring in Lincoln Riley, get Caleb Williams, among others. And quickly you can change things. Do those two things combined, Portal plus NIL, make the sport as as un, as difficult to, to handicap going into a year as we've seen, because you just don't know what people will be as they assemble all these pieces on the fly. Yeah. I think the portal part is, is more the, is more the wild card. The NIL component where I think it's a bigger challenge is for the kids who are in high school who now going into their senior year have a lot of money or have money when they've never had it before and how do they deal with it? I mean, I know you follow recruiting as much as anybody, you know, on TV. And if you look back at like the last 10 years of five star quarterbacks, I went back and I'd say the hit rate on them of them close to living up to their expectations was about 30%. And that's before the big money. We know there's quarterbacks now, whether the dollar figure is exactly what it's been reported it's still an insane amount of money for, you know, kids to be getting at this stage where they're going to have all this other stuff's coming with them. I'm not saying that it's a terrible thing. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's a lot different. So now it's going to be harder for people, not just for them, for them, but everybody around them to manage. And I think that that is going to make it harder. The portal part, which I, you know, I think is interesting. Roster management is never going to be harder for for coaches to deal with but you're right i mean usc they were that's the worst usc team we did the ucla game i had never seen them look so bad in almost 20 years living here um they'll be really good on offense i don't know how good alex grinch's defense will get because they were horrible last year horrible they took guys in the portal, but they did not. And some of them are pretty good players, but they didn't, you know, it's not like Jordan Addison is on the other side of the ball. It's not like Caleb is on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So, right. I, they, scored, they scored 33, I think, against UCLA and almost got doubled up. So the problem when scoring the ball was is stopping the other team. But I just, it, I want to follow just on the idea of the, of, of the recruiting and the, and, and the portal, because what's different is as good, and you make the point well. The hit rate on a five star is not that great. Okay. You get the world, the world lines up at your door, tells you you're great. You get your butt kissed. And now you're getting seven figures. Good luck. I mean, you're going to have to be wired a certain way to be willing to do the work to not think you've already made it. And God bless them for getting the money. They should, but it's going to be difficult, I think, to maintain, you know, 
the, the mentality that you need to get to the next level and the, and the real money. But I think the portal, like you get it. Addison was a three-star recruit coming out of like Frederick, Maryland when he mm-hmm. went to Pitt. Now he's a Bolitnikoff winner. So I, I, my hit rate on that guy, I can be pretty confident he's going to line up and he's going to be a a gobbler. He's going to be a pass-catching force from the jump. I'm getting made guys. I'm getting people that are going to contribute because they've done it. They know what it is to show up on time. They know what it is to practice. They know what it is to stay eligible, do their schoolwork. They know all of that already. So I think that your ability to to put a roster together quickly and turn things on a dime, which Lincoln Riley's trying to do at SC, among others, is a hell of a lot easier to do that way, even though USC's recruiting at an uber-high level high school-wide Give me the men. Give me the 22-year-olds that have shown they can do it on the field. And I think that's going to give you a, a much more direct avenue to being who you want to be. Do you feel the same? I do. Now, there's a there's a flip side to this. And if you ask, go ask Jeff Collins. Now, he's a further, you know, he's a couple of years into this at Georgia Tech. Right. But the best player in his program is like the guy you want to build around who could be a Heisman Trophy winner, but not there. He left to go to Alabama. It's like it's if you don't get traction early Mm. i think that you could circle the drain faster because your really good players are going to go why do i want to stay around and be six and six at best or something when i can go there and i'm a showcase guy they have a need i can reevaluate it's not like jamar gibbs didn't have a lot of really good options out of high school i just think there's you know addison is a situation there you know best receiver in the country the bulletnikoff award winner decided, hey, I'm going to take my chances over there. He was on a team that, what, they won the ACC last year? You know, it's like, so it's it's a really interesting dynamic. And I think if you're on the, you know, like you know how this is, when schools, coaches, staffs get there, they usually recruit pretty well. And then the challenge is when they start losing some games, do those kids stay committed or they bail for the bigger brands? In, you know, in Lincoln Riley and USC's case, I think there is so much energy around USC because they've been so such a mess for so long. Not not all Clay Helton's fault. He was kind of dead man walking for an in three years, which is an insane amount of time for a college football coach. But now between that, between Caleb coming with him, Jordan Addison then coming later and the Big Ten news. Um, it's, it's like a complete 180. Now I think people are going to get over their skis about the USC hype for 2022, just because the expectations are going to be insane and they are, but I think in all kids are going to buy into that because they, they feel the excitement and USC in a big market with a lot of celebrity aspect of it, they have something they can sell now. I agree. One last thing on just the idea of, of losing your top players. And this is something you, you tweeted about. And it's the guy on on your freaks list at Maryland Rock Jarrett that Steve and I saw last week. He's a five star coming out, and everybody tried to poach him this off season. And I saw him at practice. I said, "Hey, man, Turp fans are happy you stuck around." He said, "Hey, I had to do it." I said, "No, you didn't have to do it, but you did." And and that's you know, look, kids have to make decisions, but it's incredibly difficult now if you're that guy because you become a de facto free agent. It's that second level of recruiting and you're getting made guys, people that you know can already do it. It makes it just a fascinating layer to it. Yeah, And I don't even know if it's a de facto free agent. It's just a free agent. Like yeah, you're, right, mean, you're, right. you're right. When I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, you know, he didn't specifically say which two schools, but he goes, he said there were like two top five SEC schools. I can kind of do the math on what that probably is. Yeah. He turned out, he was committed to LSU, turned down LSU, which 
I don't know if he did it right before they won a national title, but it was in that window, you know, and to his credit, I think, um, you know, when he talked about it, it was because I haven't fulfilled what I, you know, it was like his feeling for Mike Loxley and his respect, admiration, you could, you know, was like, it's a little different than, than what sometimes you see players, you know, it was like, it's, I'm not saying it was cause he's a home, he's a local kid, but especially because of how he feels about the head coach. And sometimes you don't hear that. And it's the Stefan Diggs model who's famously said, you know, he stuck around, could have gone anywhere. And, you know, look, he went in the fifth round because of a whole other different reason who the quarterback was at the time. But I think he got the bag obviously with Buffalo. So I think is it, this is very specific to Maryland fans. They're like nod their head going, yeah, but it's rare. Cause I think that's the, the, you know, I don't blame Madison for going. Most kids would do what he did. Steve, I'm jeopardizing the conversation. I apologize. Bruce, I need a team that has not made the playoff in the history of the playoff that you would feel confident that could make the playoff this year. That's a, that's a big ask. I like, there's two schools. I thought you were going to say it's a great question. It is a great question. That's all you do. But like, so there's two schools that I I really like that I feel like are undervalued, right? Mm -hmm. One is NC state. They have a really good quarterback in Devin Leary. Now there's a bunch of good quarterbacks in that league, but he's really good. And I think, you know, Alabama, maybe aside, they have the best group of linebackers. Peyton Wilson's back. He's a fantastic player. They already had good linebackers. He missed pretty much all the last year. I, you know, I think they're really, really good. Um, I don't know if I would say they're playoff good, but I think they're, you know, cause they lost Dickie, they lost their running backs, but I still think they're, they're really good. The other team that I think has a chance to be kind of like Cincinnati last year, same conference is Houston. Dana's quarterback, Clayton Toon, now has more than Tank Delhi, has a bunch of receivers. He's really good. And I think they have, a, you know, like some tricky road games early. They got to play the Roadrunners on the road. They got to play in Lubbock, which obviously Dana's had a drink or two in that city. But they. Why has it got to be a drink, Feldman? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He's the best, right? And then. Yes. And- and you know he's gonna he's hoisted that whatever that statue is that they won from the bowl game and yep. you know, rode with it on the plane. I feel like this has a chance. This team has a chance to be a top ten team. Can they be a playoff team? I don't know. His DC is really good, Doug Belk, and he turned down a bunch of a bunch of money to go uh, to go to other places to go to Power Five schools. But people really wanted him. He's still there. And they have a lot of firepower now. I, I think they're, they have a real chance to, to be undefeated, and we'll see where that takes them. I can't imagine the party that Houston would have if he took that team to the playoff. That's a big city. That'd be a lot of places partying, man. It would be at his house is where it would be. <laughs> he he uh, digs it. He loves the Houston gig. Go ahead. Um, I think when you're talking groupings, Bruce, I think the Clemson defensive line is the best unit in the whole sport. And when I say that, I'm like, you know, Ohio State wide receivers. I think LSU has a great room of wide receivers. Auburn running backs. You know, when you think along those lines. Yes. Georgia tight ends. Yeah. Um, I think I think Clemson's defensive line is the best when you look at their talent and the impact they're going to have on games. Do you think it's enough, that group, to uh, can they do that? I don't know how do you do you think they're they're sustainable enough to lead them to a playoff? How good they were last year without Percy? Like everybody just feels like a switch is going to turn. 
Do you yeah, see that? I think that can be dominant. Here's the the thing I don't, you know, I don't have a, much of a feel for. You know, last year, da- you know, Dabo lost two really good coordinators who were integral. You know, mm. certainly Tony Elliott on offense, but, you know, Brent Venables is, was one of the, I don't know how to say it just without saying it. He, he was such a good defense coordinator, so aggressive, and he would have a feel for what other teams are going to call and would be on their stuff fast. Right. What are, you, what are you trying to say? That he knew the plays and they had scouts in the with binoculars and they figured yeah, out the play calls. Lines. Yeah. Ohio State figured out how to get rid of that by huddling up and they smashed him. Is that what you're trying to say? He was crap. He was like, look, I think he had a good feel for what's going on. And I think okay. he, he's had guys on his staff who have been connected with him who just have a good sense for that kind of thing. He's aggressive. And look, you know, you go back, I don't want to take you down another road, but you go back and in, into the Joe Burrow, LSU, you know, greatest offense, whatever. Um, there's a play in there where not only are they up 10, but at one point, Joe Burrow looks like he's going to throw a pick six where I think, I forgot which is Nolan Turner. One of the safeties jumps it, just doesn't catch the ball. It might be a different game then, right? And um, I just feel like without him, I don't know how well it's going to, I'm not saying that, that the new DC won't get it done. But I just feel like that's a big question mark. And the other thing is, you know, is DJ going to be the guy who he look like, or is, is, is Klubnik going to come in there? I saw mm. Klubnik at Elite 11. I was like, man, I, th- I think this guy's going to be really, really good. I just don't know if he's going to be the next guy, or does DJ keep developing? And I don't know the answer to that. I want to make it clear to both Coach Venables and Clemson fans, and now OU fans, I'm not knocking the guy if he figured no. out how to steal plays because it's part of it. If you can figure out, it's just like baseball. If I, if your signs can be stolen, come up with better signs. Uh, no one's, no one's knocking it, but everybody in the sport knew what it was. And Ohio State specifically game planned for that when they faced him, which put was smart. Col- put the Colts' old old line coach in the Pro Football Hall oh. of Fame. He was the master. Go, go ask anybody who's, yep. who's been on that that team about him, like cracking codes. Brewski would be screaming at him during the games because he had to, like they figured it out from series to it series. Changed I mean, wristbands that had to do it. Look, no, it's it's oh, all part. It's all part of the game, Bruce. Uh, a team that is supposed to be good, presumed to be good, ranked to be good, that you believe is the gigantic mystery. You might have just answered it with Clemson, but it, who, who do you feel like is a mystery that? is by ranking presumed to be good. You know, I'm very curious to see what what Oregon is like this year, right? Because Mario has a bunch of dudes that he recruited there. And Dan Lanning attitude, he got Christian Gonzalez, who is like one of my freaks list guys. He transferred from CU. But, you know, I feel like we're like offensively, I'm not sure. Like Mario th- thought their O-line was going to be really good. And look, he knows more about O-line certainly than I do. But you know, we're, we're Bo Nix is now probably going to is the guy. There's some good Bo Nix and there's some not so good Bo Nix, Right. And, you know, they got a tough opener out of the gate in, in Georgia. Right. And I know Dan Lenning knows that operation, everything. I'm very interested to see what they look like just because new staff, you know, you got Kenny Dillingham is a really sharp guy, but he's really never called it like he's going to be the, you know, you're, you're with a defensive-minded head coach. It's not like you got Mike Norvell there or whatnot. You got Knicks, a new situation. Um, that's one I'm a little yeah. unsure of, to be perfectly honest. Like, that one, I would be like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'd put all my money on them at this point. I think any team can win that division. I really do. We've, we've texted Bruce about how open that 
Pac-12 North is. There's so much yeah. unknown and new teams, new quarterbacks, well, now all that. Everything. Now it's everything. Like, it's the whole, you know, we're not in the North-South anymore. And we got to, like, you know, it's like, so now they're in with with Utah and USC and UCLA. Because I think, like you said, those old North teams, you know, maybe, I hate to say this looking at your face, but maybe Cal, maybe Jack Plummer's going to get it going. Or, you know, yeah. I don't know. You know, like, I think Wazoo can be pretty good. But, like, you know, Washington is – I don't know if it's a major rebuild, but like that was one I got wrong. I thought Jimmy Lake was going to, was going to get it cranked up and it went the other way. And so, you know, like I could think by process of elimination, what the recruiting rankings tell us that Oregon's going to be really, really good. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think they play USC in the, in the regular season. No. So, you know, I could see why people are, are, are high on them. I just think there's, for me, there's too many unknowns right now. You know, do you get the Bo Nix who 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 um, gave LSU fits, or do you get the other Bo Nix? I don't know. Texas, Sark, all the offensive talent in the world. I think uh, a lot is going to be on Ewers' plate, and then they have that beast of a game where you've seen it. I mean, I remember you writing articles about this. You know, what happens to teams after, you know, not only the week after they play Alabama, but the, how does it carry out? And when you have this amount of youth on a team and I mean, you talk to people there, I talk to people there, they love the skill that they have. Now they're probably going to have to play three offensive linemen that are true freshmen at some point. Hopefully it's not against Alabama is the way I'm, I'm hearing things, but I, I look at it and if they could get out of like I look I think about the Texas game that with Herman against Joe Burrow. Like they were left for dead at halftime and they fought back, clawed back, and then they they just couldn't get over the hump after that. Do you I, I think it I think the it there should be a lot of expectations with Sark and I, I, I think the Big Twelve is is gettable this year. And I know people just want to keep talking about last year and losing to Kansas. Like that team was humbled, man. Like they, 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 they had a rough off season and found themselves like I, I see them possibly having a double digit win season, even, even with the game wow. against Alabama. I'm, I'm like, they got some bad injury news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, you got a really, a, a good compliment. Uh, I think, you know, to Xavier worthy, it, uh, you know, goes down um, in Isaiah Nair, Nair. And then you also lose, a, a three-year starter at guard. And I think what really hurts on that is the thing you said, which I agree with. I don't think, you know, I've heard great things about the O-line class. I don't know if you want them having to play in that situation. Yeah, I'm going to be steamy hot there. You're going to have Alabama with like cordwood in the front seven of guys coming after you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, you have a quarterback who, I guess, I don't know. I guess he's a sophomore. I don't even know what to say. If, if, if yeah, if, I don't know I, how to classify. I, yeah. You know, like, so I know the other kid mo- can move around, you know, well, I just don't know if you put card back out there. I know they got a great running back and I know, you know, they got, you know, Rashawn Johnson's a good piece of a, like a, an X factor guy to, you know, he can run, he can do a lot of stuff for you. I, I agree. I think the challenge for them is if you can keep it, if you can get it a game, deep into the second half, meaning like as long as it's not a blowout, like like if you're down two touchdowns and then all of a sudden Alabama gets the ball and now they're up three, three touchdowns at the start of the second half. And then they just start pounding you. 
which yeah. I think Saban could do. And I think he knows how good of a play caller Sark is. And then he's just, Hey, we're just going to wear, wear on you. And then, you know, there's my body blows, you know, story, like how much of an effect mm-hmm. does that have on that young Texas team and young Texas program going forward? Because there are, there are programs that don't end up coming back from that for the rest of the year. They learn from it, but it just takes too much of a toll. And I think that's going to be a really interesting, I mean, I'm glad that's a game I'm going to be at. I can't wait to see the atmosphere for it, but man, you got one team that is, you know, aside from like Bijan, you have a lot of guys at, at Texas who I don't think are ready for that party yet. Nothing's easier in college football to, to manufacture than optimism and nothing's more fragile. And it, and it, Alabama will take a sledgehammer to your, to your confidence and shatter it, man. It's, it's, uh, that Texas is fascinating. That look, the whole sport's fascinating just because there's been such upheaval. I, I had a list here. I just was jotting it down just haphazardly, and I'm like shaking my head as I look at it. LSU, Texas, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC, Florida. That's just a partial list of jobs, Bruce, in a year, in the last two years that have come open. I mean, these are the biggest names in the sport, and they and there's just change in between the NIL and you know the portal. It just it feels more. And then there's the fact that we're not going to have the Big Ten in a couple of years. It just feels like the ground under your feet these days in this sport is shifts. And that feels weird. But like week one, I don't care because, you know, like Utah goes to Florida. That's that's the game that I haven't heard anybody talk about. And I just think, can you imagine how fun that is? Speaking of coaching changes, Napier is his first gig. Utah's the top 10 team. They're not afraid of anybody. They'll come across the country. We'll go to the swamp at night or... Actually, where is that game? Is that game in game? Yeah, that's the swamp. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, okay. Like, fine. Like, is it going to be hot and humid? That's fine. We'll get on. We'll drive on a bus. We don't give a f- <laughs> We'll play you. I mean, the, the, the sport feels feels weird and feels kind of icky at times. And then I think about that four-hour window at 7 o'clock on the 3rd. And I'm like, God, how good is that going to be? I got a game that's like, I'm not saying it's off the radar, but it's like it's it's an NIL-ish game and it's, an, and it's a portal game. But I lo- it's a great rivalry, and there's a lot of change to it. And I can't wait for backyard brawl. You yeah. have, you know, you have JT Daniels with his old OC, and you know, you got Keaton Slovis on the opposite side of his old OC. You know, Graham Harrell in it. You know, there's no Addison, but you know, the most don't give a f- guy in the business, other than maybe Dana, <laughs> is Narduzzi over there. <laughs> and like, I can't wait for that game. Like, yeah. I just think. Like I got goosebumps talking about backyard brawl and it's not like it's a top 10 matchup, but I remembered as a kid, you know, like how good, you know, like those programs have been. And I just think we don't know what we're going to get. Right. You know, like I have a decent idea what I think we're going to get when Ohio state plays Notre Dame at that point in Columbus, the backyard brawl. I can't wait to see. Right. You know, I mean, you got the two former USC quarterbacks. It's like, that's the thing where if you're a college football fan and we've had a lot of stuff to talk about of, you know, NIL and, and, yeah. and conference realignment and all that stuff is legitimate, yeah. but just the actual games to get into it. Like, I mean, I can't wait for the start of it just because there's so much unknowns, as you said, you know, Brian Kelly in the SEC, we've talked a lot mm. about his accent. The guy's still a really, really good coach, right? And, Agreed. you know, you got Brent Venables and all of a sudden Dylan Gabriel, who almost was at UCLA, now he's there with his old OC. I'm pretty sure they're going to be really good on offense, right? Yeah. And there's just so many little, not even little, so many um, unknowns, reasons to buy in, and just really even more than reasons for optimism, reasons for intrigue 
Like, I'm very curious to see, you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe Michigan was, you know, that was, I don't want to say I thought it was fluky last year. So I spent a bunch of time talking to Jim Harbaugh and some of his players. And then you listen to him, you're like, you know what? This team has a bigger chip on its shoulder than it did a year ago. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's a fluke. And, you know, it's not like they don't have players, you know, so it's just there's so many different things to love about college football at this time of year um, that it just can't get here soon enough. It's like candy. It might not be good for you. You don't want to look at the ingredients, but I want to eat a bucket of it. You know what I mean, Steve? Just uh, all of it. You what, what flavor do you want? I don't care. Give me all of it. I'll eat. I'll eat one of each. Well, this, this the other thing the sport does and I don't know how many years ago this was, maybe it was seven years ago. It's a, it, to me in my head, as, I'm biased because he's my guy, but like, this is the Joe Tess game. Texas is playing Notre Dame. It's a fan, fantastic game. Now it turned out neither team was very good. And, and nope. there's, a, nope. there's a mortifying clip from Joe Tess, te, you know, Texas, Texas is back. Is back. <laughs> as well as Joe Tess, as anybody can sell it. Um, it's didn't make it, it didn't, you know, it didn't suck the life out of what we experienced watching that game. Like I didn't go to Texas. I don't, you know, I don't have any connections to, to that game other than I just was like entertained for four hours. And it's rare that a sport can do that where you have a connection to it, but you don't have, you know, like maybe it may not mean anything two months from now because neither team, there could be injury, something, you know, it just, they're not as good. We don't know how good these teams are. But at the end of the day, like, man, it, it can entertain us and take us to places that I don't know if many, I don't know any other sport can quite do that in this like little sprint of a three month season. Perfectly said, Steve, you got anything else to close with? No, Bruce got me all fired up. Where, yeah, where are you at week it, one, Bruce? I am in studio week one, week two, if we're calling it that is I'm in, uh, I'm in Austin with uh, Texas and Alabama. Can't wait. Wow. It's as good as there is in the sport. Nobody, as you clearly know, uh, knows it better. Stanford Steve has one more big finger yeah, how many up there. Sh- how many shirts will you go through that day? Too many. Too many. I, I got to admit, like, my my biggest um, takeaway from, like, that I didn't realize as a sideline reporter, there was, like, two things. One, if I ask a stupid question post game as a sports writer, almost nobody knows. If I ask it, you know, <laughs> it looks bad, and you cringe. Somewhere there's god awful video of me and poor Nate Stanley, and I'm kind of meandering my way through a thought, and he's just looking at me like he's seen a ghost. And then the, the you're out there for seven hours straight, like you you know you're on the field for two and a half hours beforehand, then you stay out there, and, and so like I know I know our buddy Kirk is a big sweater. Like I'm right there with him, you know, people are, I'm just not on camera in HD all the time, but it's, there's, there's definitely some, uh, Come some on, just you, you, I'm not, I mean, get yourself a, whatever brand it is undershirt, like under armor, Nike, Adidas. I don't care. I'll keep going whatever outfitter you want, put that, that same color shirt as your dress shirt, put it on underneath. It'll soak up the sweat. It'll be fine. Hey, yeah, I it's hotter, better. but at least it soaks up the sweat. We got, um, you know, you're watching it in our green room and I saw Dusty did a game. They cut to him at, at halftime and it was like Norm from Cheers, the pits he had on. And it's not like, Dusty, like Dusty's like in good shape still, yeah. but it's like yeah, that is. time of year, you're not supposed to be dressed like a grown up. Like, yeah. like, you know, God doesn't want that. He wants you in a, he wants you in a, in, in a t-shirt. Well, we're flip-flops. You'll be fine, man. Uh, Bruce Feldman, check out the Freaks list. Check him out all season long on Fox Television. Great to catch up. We appreciate you being gracious with your time. We know you're busy, and uh, we'll be reading and watching all season long, brother. Be good. Great seeing you guys. Hopefully I'll see you on the road.
Now I know why your podcast with the bear was 19 hours on the ACC. <laughs> and you didn't mention Pitt last year. Feldman knows the sport forwards and backwards oh. as, as you do. Um, but I mean, there's a little, I mean, you talk about inside the beltway. He's inside, inside, inside the beltway. Yeah, he Starts has talking contacts. Coordinators and this oh, and that. I mean, he, up and down the list. Insane. His contact list. But the problem the slash challenge is that talking about the sport when you when you love it, which we do, is and you're so fired up right now that you just can't, you can barely police yourself. <laughs> I can't, but that I'm, I started talking about that Utah Florida game, like yeah, and we were thinking about having Feldman. I just started thinking about that. Like that's the Napier era starts. You're feeling a little bit down. You're Florida, right? You're worried about recruiting. George has got a title now. You're like, man, where do we fit in over here? Mm-hmm. You open against a team who is fearless. Okay. Like they're the team. They want you to hit them in the head with a snow shovel so they can go, yeah, <laughs> come on, do it again. Look at Utah at the end of last year. They beat oh. the crap out of Oregon twice. They traded punches with US, with Ohio State in that amazing Rose Bowl game, and they're ranked top 10, and they're on the road in the swamp at night. I mean, and that's just a tiny little snapshot. That's one three-hour window. You're going to have you're gonna have Florida. For the limit. <laughs> For the limit. But it's going to be painful. I don't want to do it, but I kind of have to. Kind of have to do it, right? Winners week one. Can you hear trombone shorty in the background? Absolutely. What's better than that? Uh, anyway, Bruce Feldman is great. Great to catch up with him. But um, college football will be back next week, kind of the following week, full-fledged. You'll be checking out uh, Stanford Stephen the Bear podcast, getting all the best stuff there. Watching us, hopefully, for uh, some winners on SportsCenter. Steve giving some picks there. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll hand out a little bit of candy. Sounds good. And, uh, you know, come back and see us next week, all right? Yes, sir. Don't let the inmates run the asylum. <laughs> Who's the boss? Me. Daddy's the boss. Say that's been said say enough. I'm, say that's I'm been the boss. Said. There you go. All right. <laughs>